You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 193, Danny King of Accredible. That teaser was from Vivaldi's Concerto Number no. 1 in D Major, The Spring Concerto. So I thought that would be appropriate. I hope you enjoyed the full piece at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Rods Pods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. In this episode, I interview Danny King, who's the CEO and co-founder of Accredible. Accredible is a comprehensive digital badge and certificate platform. Quote, Accredible is one of the only platforms available that is a full-service digital credentialing solution. Certificates, diplomas, badges, blockchain credentials, and wallet cards, all in one place. End quote. So we discuss Danny's background, the history of Accredible. What problems does it really solve? Who's the audience? A little bit of the history of credentials. And the use of credentials that are stored in the blockchain and what that means. How they integrate with the LMS and various publishing tools. What happens if you need to revoke or edit a blockchain credential? It's interesting that they allow you to link evidence portfolios to credentials. And of course, students are going to want to share their credentials on all the social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and how this becomes a real referral and marketing machine for the university. They're even working on vaccine credentials and COVID passports. Seems like a very timely business to be in. So without further ado, here's my interview with Danny King. So, Danny, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me and my audience today. I'm really excited to learn a lot about Accredible. Uh, I saw it. I thought, that sounds like something we could use. But before we get into the details, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where you are, um, how, you know, a little bit about your background and how you got to be connected to Accredible. Hi, Rod. Uh, well, certainly, yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on. You know, really pleased to be involved. Um, yeah, sure, happy to. So, you know, you can probably hear from my accent. I'm originally from the UK, um, but I do live out here in uh, the Bay Area in Oakland, California. Moved out here with uh, my co-founder and CTO, Alan Heppenstall. We, we we met at university in the UK. We, we, we met at Durham University. We studied computer science together. And, you know, the story of sort of how we started thinking about digital credentialing, which is what my company does, the Credible, um, is, is quite an interesting one, actually. It's, it's to do with sort of my journey of going getting into college and, and the grades that I had around that. But the reason why we came out here to, to the Bay Area is, you know, we applied uh, to this uh, really great... Um, uh, sort of startup accelerator called Imagine K12, which is Y Combinator span out an education focused, you know, startup accelerator. And of course, that's, that's down there in the in the South Bay. And that brought us out here. And honestly, I just sort of fell in love with the area. And I, I stuck around, you know, and, you know, I'm here to stay. You know, you're in the midst of, uh, I guess, uh, Silicon Valley or nearby and uh, so much is going on out there. It's 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 uh, really amazing. So incredible. Now, what problem does Accredible solve? 
Right. So, you know, the simplest way to talk about it is, you know, our customers are organizations that issue certificates or awards or credentials or licenses or, you know, some form of recognition. Right. Um, but instead of them giving you a piece of paper when you finish a degree, for example, or maybe an online training course, we make it really easy for them to give you a digital version of that. So our digital credentials take many formats. You know, one of them, the most sort of uh, popularized format perhaps is digital badges. There are also, you know, digital certificates. You know, we have things like, you, you know, on when you go on a sort of boarding, you can have your boarding passes on your Apple or Android wallet. We allow you to have credentials in that format too. We do blockchain credentials. So, you know, we make it really easy for you to issue digital credentials regardless of the format that you want them to be in. Interesting. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions around those different options. So if I had my way, I mean, I'm, I, I work for a, a basically a, an online division of our university, Sciences Online. And so I could imagine that we might give a badge for a given uh, course or sequence of courses. And then when they're finished the academic certificate, they get a certificate. And if they go on to get a, uh, a master's degree that we offer, they get a diploma. Um, badges are not generally uh, offered to our current students, but certainly certificates and diplomas are. So is that the way a lot of your customers are using it? Do they give badges as sort of a, at a course level or uh, multiple courses? How, how does that usually work? So the short answer is yes, you know, pretty much that's a very common structure for people to do it. But basically, you can do whatever you want. You can issue badges for anything. You can issue credentials for anything. So usually, uh, and, and I really want to put a sort of asterisk, you know, and a bold and underline and italics that asterisk. Usually, yes, you know, we'll see organizations, especially sort of higher education institutions, um, but others as well you know, issue sort of smaller badges along the way to some larger capstone credential. And then maybe they'll have a digital certificate or, you know, some sort of larger, more prestigious looking thing. Um, but having said that, you know, there's a number of, you know, large sort of prestigious organizations that just do badges. So I would hesitate to say that badges are just for, you know, low stakes achievement or sort of smaller achievements along the way, because it really just depends on your philosophy, your personal, your organization's point of view. Um, but yeah, I would say rather that is a, a pretty common paradigm that we see where the badges are encouraging you to complete some larger, you know, larger project. Also, I'm wondering whether I could imagine too, in our organization, we have a number of required trainings for faculty and staff. And I can imagine that uh, that would be a great place to use badges, especially if you're having trouble getting our faculty and staff to, to take them. Is that what you see as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially in the sort of higher education world, we, we serve uh, several other sort of sectors outside of higher education. But in the higher education world, you know, generally, we'll see something like a university, they may trial it with, you know, something like staff training, um, just to you know, get a feel for badging or digital credentialing, see if it's good for their use case, and then they'll roll it out slowly over time. You know, often the next step is they'll do the the business school or their open enrollment courses, and then eventually, of course, they'll they'll do it for everything. You know, the postgraduate degrees and the undergraduate degrees and everything. And, and it, you know, it makes sense for universities to take a more sort of piecemeal approach like that because, of course, credentials are your reputation. It really is one of the major outputs of what you do, and so it makes sense to take them slowly. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned higher ed. Uh, what, what is the breakdown in, in your uh, customer base? Uh, higher ed, um, K-12, corporate, government, how, how does that break out? Yeah, so there's a few ways you can kind of slice and dice it. But if we look at, you know, sector by sector, you know, higher education is definitely a big, you know, sector for us. 
we do, you know, we've got a lot of universities, something like, uh, I think something like two or 300 universities using us now all over the world. You know, we've got um, MIT, UC Berkeley, we've got Oxford and Cambridge, we've got the largest university in, in Mexico, the University of Monterey, uh, Inside in France, uh, you know, and, and literally hundreds more. Um, and, and, you know, of course, they're not all using us for every part of their program. There are various stages of that sort of journey I just outlined for you. Um, so that's one big area for us, for sure. Um, then, you know, there's another big area for us, which is uh, professional associations. So think, you know, lawyers, dentists, doctors, accountants, you know, chartered financial planners, you know, you name it, pretty much every profession has one or more professional associations. Um, you know, it's also things like we've got the US cheerleading association, right? So it's not all necessarily things like lawyers. But, you know, so what they do often is, you know, they'll have, uh, and again, it sort of depends on the, on the industry, but they'll have sort of some major capstone credential, like to be you know, a chartered financial planner in the US, you need to be CFP designated, um, you know, and so you go through a formal sort of examination process. Same for being, say, a chartered accountant. Um, but they'll also have things like membership credentials, or they might do things like continuous professional education, you know, as someone in higher education, as I'm sure you have a lot of CPD you need to do or CPE. Um, you mentioned government. Yeah, that's that's certainly another bigger area. And I think the governments are sort of obviously sort of slow to the uptake on things like digital credentials. But there's a lot of interest, especially in sort of military circles around things like that, where it's really important that you can determine, does this person have this or that credential? And can we verify that instantly? You can imagine that, that that's just mission critical in some places. And then we've got things like, you know, we, we issue for the, you know, the GMAC who issued the GMAT. We, we don't actually do the GMAT for them today. We're, we're part of a smaller trial at the moment. But, you know, large sort of UK examination bodies like the UK Accreditation Service and things like that. And then finally, you know, there's sort of big learning management systems like Skillsoft is one of our customers where they'll bake our product into their product and, effect, and effectively make it easier for their customers to issue digital credentials without having to go directly to a credible. Interesting. Yeah. Do, do any of the uh, higher ed LMSs uh, have a really tight integration with with your system? Yeah. So, you know, we think integrations are quite important. And so, yes, we, we have a number of integrations uh, that either we've built or they've built, right, which just makes it super easy if you install the integration to say, right, this course leads to this credential, please automatically send it. We actually, you know, just committed to rolling out 33 new integrations over the next year and a half. So, you know, that's something that we take quite seriously. And then, of course, we also offer an API. So, you know, if you don't like the way we've implemented the integration, or maybe we don't have an integration yet for the platform you like, you know, you can have a, a technical person on your side sort of write down and do that yourself in the meantime. Uh, very smart, yes. Now, one thing that really intrigues me, which is uh, in the news a lot these days, is the idea of uh, blockchain and blockchain credentials. Yeah. How far along are you with that? Is that, is that a, uh, a product that you that is available now? And how does that work? It is, yeah. We've been doing it for years. I think I think we launched it in 2015 or 16. Um, Good for you. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I hesitate to say this because I haven't actually checked. So I believe we were the first to issue blockchain um, sort of educational credentials. Um, so, yeah, you know, the blockchain, it's an interesting thing because I think, you know, first of all, there's a, there's a lot of sort of skepticism around things like Bitcoin and blockchain and, and in many cases, frankly, rightly so. Um, but digital credentials are a really interesting use case because, you know, once you look into sort of the applications of blockchain and digital credentialing, it's sort of exactly the kind of use case that, you know, I think that the blockchain can be can be used for. And, um you know, it's, it's difficult because a lot of the time it's a very technical subject. So it's sort of quite hard to understand, you know, what benefits does it does it offer? But if it helps, Rod, I can sort of I can try and articulate, you know, fairly succinctly in sort of layman's terms. And we can go into as much detail as you need. I am a computer scientist, but I can try and outline in layman's terms sort of why a blockchain credential would be more useful than, say, a, a traditional one. Would that would that be helpful? Absolutely. I like to hear that. Great. Well, 
here's a really high level way to think about it. You know, before, forget blockchain for a second, before digital credentials came along, um, you know, what did we have? We basically had pieces of paper. You know, maybe we, we had a PDF credential, but basically it was a piece of paper with a name and a grade and a bunch of swirly things, right, to try and give you the impression that this is a legitimate certificate. And if you think about what the barrier to forging that was, it was very low. Basically, a, a kid with Photoshop could make a fake credential and probably get away with it many, many, you know, much of the time. Um, then companies like, you know, Accredible came along and others as well, where, you know, we created these digital credentialing standards. Again, we're not at blockchain yet. Um, and, you know, we really upped the level of, you know, barrier to fraud, you know, creating fraudulent credentials to effectively, you know, bank level security, right? Like we are audited by most of our customers and our government customers, especially to make sure that, you know, our, our service security is, you know, very legitimate. Um, and so, you know, basically, you know, look, you, you you probably could hack, you know, many of the digital credentials uh, companies in the world, but you, you you would need to be at the level of like the Russian government or something, you know. So we, we upped the bar really to a very, very high level, right? For all intents and purposes, you know, you can't make fraudulent credentials. And what blockchain does, just to take that analogy one step further is, you know, in order to make a, a sort of fraudulent credential, not only would you have to, you know, hack our servers, right? Which, like I said, is an extremely hard task to do, but you would also have to hack, you know, 51% of all the computers in the world that are using the blockchain that we're implementing, you know, in order to actually, uh, you know, get away with that. And you'd have to do that simultaneously. And, and so, you know, by most estimates, you need more energy and the sun outputs just because of the level of you know uh, encryption that the blockchain uses for that so basically you know we, we made it impossible to create a fraudulent credential it was already very hard and now it's impossible and then there is one final thing to point out as well which is longevity it's not just about minimizing fraud but you know um there's a surprising number of uni universities that you know go bust every year in the world or you know cease to exist and if you have a credential from one of those universities you actually can't verify it anymore you're like who do you call so the, the great thing about something like a blockchain is that it's a persistent record that you can go and verify, you know, did so-and-so get this credential on this date and, you know, is what they're claiming true. Um, and, you know, you don't need, the whole point of a blockchain is that it's a sort of decentralized, you know, way to verify something. So you don't need to have that existing university anymore to do it. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm very interested in blockchain, of course, uh, cryptocurrencies all over the news these days. Yeah. Uh, do you care to say, any, maybe, maybe maybe it's more proprietary, but do you care to say anything about the, um, uh, what platform you use for your blockchain? Is it, I know, I know these uh, uh, contract systems can be built on, say, on top of um, Ether or some right. other known blockchain. What what do you use, if you can tell me? So we actually use a mixture. We basically let our customers decide. Um, but you, you might be surprised to hear that actually Bitcoin is the most common one that we use. Uh, and that sounds really? counterintuitive. You know, Bitcoin is, you know, so like you say, we, you know, we have, you know, um, networks like Ethereum, right, which are more designed for contracts. You would think that a credential would be more relevant for that. And I would be shocked if in a decade, you know, we haven't migrated over primarily more to something, you know, like Ethereum. But um, the, honestly, the, the most the most important part right now is that people need to understand it, right? And the larger the network, the more secure it is. You know how before I said you have to hack fifty one percent of the um, you know the, the computers in the old, the world that are using it. Well, the Bitcoin network is just by far the largest, right? So you know what we do is we actually you know slightly abuse the the Bitcoin sort of um, purpose of it, and we basically make a very small Bitcoin transaction for each credential that we issue, and then we actually encode in the metadata of that an encrypted format of the credential. So you know the one of the fears that people have is like, whoa, 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 don't put all my credential data on the blockchain because you can never remove that. 
and that is a valid fear, but it's really important to realize that actually the data is encrypted. So it's not like anyone can go and see it. You can just go and verify that it's correct if you've already been granted access to that data in the first place. So it's more of a verification mechanism than something you could sort of browse or discover. Right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that That's amazing. I, I, I can, uh, it's, it's really good to hear that you were one of the first, if not the first in, in there, because I thought this is, this has got to be the solution for certificates and, uh, credentialing, uh, using, using the blockchain platform. Yeah. I noticed on your website too, you mentioned wallet cards, yeah. uh, where do they come in? So again, there's a few different sort of versions of that, but you know, the most common one today is, you know, uh, the Apple wallet or the, um, Google play wallet, I think it's called, uh, I think, I think it's actually got a slightly different name, but you know, basically exactly if you've ever added a credit card to your Android or your Apple phone, or you've added a boarding pass, you can basically do the exact same thing now with the digital credential. Um, so in some cases, organizations are using that as a membership card, right? So it doesn't always have to be an academic credential, right? It may be, I'm a member of X, you know, in some cases, like, um, you know, there's a uh, several sort of construction associations where they're, you know, literally, you know, builders and things like that, right? They have to present ID in order to get onto a construction site. And they're using these digital credentials as a quick way to do that. So there's a bunch of different use cases. That's the most common. We also have another format which doesn't rely on Apple or Android wallet. You know, it's just an online sort of a smaller version of a credential, basically. Um, but yeah, it's more the idea of, you know, sometimes a sort of membership card or a sort of wallet card format is more appropriate for different types of credentials. A lot of people are working on the issue of a credential saying that you've gotten the vaccine, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if you thought about getting into that business. We already are, actually. It's, it's quite interesting. Really? Uh, you know, some of our customers are working on, so it's, they, they actually did this before the vaccine. They were doing it for things like, you know, you've recently received a, you know, negative COVID test. Um, and, and that was actually a requirement. One of our customers in particular actually was working with several European airlines where they, they required one of these incredible certificates in order to fly on the airline where you had to show that you, you know, you had a negative test recently. Um, of course, we're also now working with some customers that are building out things like those, um, you know, COVID passports, right, to show that you are vaccinated. So yeah, I think, you know, the notion of what is a credential, um, you know, it's expanding, you know, it includes things like ID, it includes things like, you know, vaccination records. Of course, with things like vaccination records, you need to pay very careful attention to, you know, th there are many laws in different states and countries around privacy of medical data. And so, you know, you do need to be a lot more careful about that data. Um, and of course, you know, again, it needs to be opt-in as well, right? You need to sort of consent to that. And that's obviously just a crucial component of that. But yeah, you know, it is really interesting to see credentialing sort of fractal out into these sort of more niche areas. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It seems like you're really well positioned. <laughs> um, describe to me how, how an institution would get started and how are the credentials developed? How are they shared? How does the student then share the credential with the potential employer? How, how does that work? Can you sort of walk us walk us through that process? Yeah, for sure. I actually um, just recorded a, a video of set of best sort of best practices. Um, if you're an organization thinking about going about credentialing, what are the discrete steps you need to take? And, you know, what are the things you should think about at each step? And if you just go on uh, Credible's website in the uh, resources section, you, you'll find it there. But I'll try and summarize it. So, you know, first and foremost, the first thing you need to do, and, and, and frankly, a lot of organizations sort of don't take this first step, and we have to sort of coach them through it, um, is just really clearly outline what your goals are. So, 
different organizations may, some organizations may be more worried about fraud. Others might be just trying to save time and money. Others might be trying to go through a digital transformation, you know, project to increase efficiency or maybe reduce their sort of carbon emissions. Um, others are more interested in things like, can we encourage course completion rates, you know, to increase? Or can we encourage our, you know, the people who go through our courses to advocate about those courses and then encourage other people to sign up for them? So there's just so many different types of goals. It's much better if you focus on a very small subset of those and you're really sort of articulate about what you're trying to achieve. Um, then you should go through a sort of, you know, almost like an instructional design process, frankly, of figuring out, okay, well, you know, well, it, obviously this will depend based on, you know, do you already have an existing course structure in place or are you creating a new one? But, you know, like you were saying before, Rod, you know, what discrete steps do we want to issue credentials for? Maybe we're issuing badges for smaller sort of milestones along the way. And that can be a very sort of almost gamification in a way. You know, you want to collect your badges to get your capstone credential, something that Google and McGraw-Hill and many others have done. Um, or, you know, do you just want to have, keep it simple and just have one credential at the end and so on. So you want to be opinionated about, you know, what those credentials are and what the sort of learning pathway is. You know, the notion of a pathway is something that we talk a lot about. And, okay, well, if your job, you know, let's say you're trying to increase course completion rates because you have an open enrollment, you know, thing at your university and you want, maybe you only have a, I don't know, 20% completion rate. Maybe you want to increase that to 50, you know, then I would focus a lot more on things like, great, well, let's really pay attention to communicating to the learners. Hey, congratulations, this was your first badge. The next step is this, the next step is this, you know, always make it really clear what the next step is. Uh, maybe, you know, one of the things that McGraw-Hill did, which I love was you start off as receiving a white belt badge and, and you, before you know it, you've, achi you've achieved your black belt badge, you know, taking the karate analogy. And then at the end, you get a nice big capstone credential. So things like that, how you communicate that. Um, then you, you know, work with a designer, you know, to design the look and feel of your credentials. Uh, maybe work with your instructional designers to figure out what metadata you want to include on the credentials. The metadata can be really important. So most credentials, you know, it's a person's name, a grade, a date, maybe, you know, sort of uh, the title of the course, but you can actually include a lot more information on these credentials if you want to. So one of the really big, big things that we love seeing is um, you can have things like evidence portfolios attached to your credentials. So imagine, you know, well, Alan, my, my co-founder and CTO is a great example. Alan and I went through the same degree program in, in the UK, in Durham University, our computer science degree. We actually achieved the same grade. So we actually walked away with the same piece of paper, identical, except for the name. Um, but he's a CTO and I'm the CEO for a reason, right? We have very, very different skill sets. And so if I were able to upload all my sort of you know, my capstone project and all my sort of, you know, work throughout the, the the degree, maybe include things like extracurricular, you know, information about what I was interested outside of that, you'd get a very, very different picture of who I who I was and what I could do. So, you know, being able to just provide a lot more contextual information um, can be very helpful. And then finally, doing things like skill tagging, you know, saying, right, well, this credential, you know, you'll graduate having this or this skill, which may be something as formal as, you know, the CFP designation, or it may be something like, you know, interpersonal skills, you know, it could be anything that you want to define. And then what we can do is start matching those skills with other courses that are an obvious next step, or we can do things like communicating average salary bands for your geographic area, for people who achieve this credential. You know, So that metadata can actually have a lot of power in encouraging someone to think about taking this course, um, as well as a, a recruiter or an employer looking at you know, what can a person do with this course. Right. So let's say a student has gotten a certificate, um, they're in the job market, they're probably using LinkedIn, yeah. So how does that work? Do they post a, a, a link 
a graphic uh, and then does a potential employer, then how do they verify that? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's really easy. You know, once you receive your digital credential, uh, you know, it depends on if the issuer has allowed this or, di or disallowed it. You have a lot of control over the sort of actions that you want your recipients to take. So just some, just some language there, right? An issuer is an organization that, it, you know, creating the credentials, sending them out to the world. A recipient is the student, the person receiving them. Um, but, you know, assuming you've enabled it, you know, usually LinkedIn is overwhelmingly the most common sharing mechanism. People share it on places like Facebook and Twitter as well. We support over 190, I think, social networks now, something like that. But overwhelmingly, it's LinkedIn. You click a button, right? You click share on LinkedIn, and then you basically choose, well, do I want to share this as, you know, embed it on my profile in my certification section? Or do I want to share it as a social update, you know, notify my network, yay, I got my credential in this moment of pride, um, or both. Um, if it's on your profile, basically, you know, we also populate your LinkedIn profile for you. And, you know, let's say it's, okay, well, Danny King achieved this and this credential on this and this date. And then there's a little button to verify it. You can actually click to verify it. That will then take you to the credential. And then it runs through this verification step that you can watch in real time. Or, of course, you can do the, the old school approach of just calling the university. Like, we're backwards compatible in that way as well. And then if it's a, show, a social share, you know, I, actually, I, love, I love going through them. You know, if you actually go onto LinkedIn and you type in either a credible or you type in credential.net, which is the URL that we use to share our credentials. Um, it's really nice because you can scroll through, you know, these pages and pages of people saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm proud of this achievement I got. They'll sort of give a shout out to the course. And then you'll see, you know, they'll have like 50 likes or 70 likes and then like 23 comments. And they'll have all these back and forth about, you know, what did you think about the course? And they'll be advocating for it. You know, so it's just, it's really nice to see honestly, something like credentials, you don't really, you don't really think about talking about it that much. So it's so nice to see a community sort of reassuring each other, you know, congratulating each other, saying, yeah, you know, I recommend this course, things like that are just really heartwarming to see. That's really great. You know, I'm <laughs> going to definitely bring this back to uh, powers that be in my institution, because I think it would be a great way to, uh, you could use the certificate as a, uh, as a way to refer people to to our programs, I don't know that all the uh, online institutions uh, have maybe they started using it, but I, I don't know if they are. We could be one of the first ones, maybe. Yeah, you know, it, it's a really powerful thing because you, you don't think of these credentials as a marketing tool um, because they don't come across as one. Of course, they don't. They shouldn't. Right. It's a credential. Um, but, you know, so we actually added a whole analytics section to our products, you know, dashboard. When you log in as an administrator, you can sort of see all the credentials you've made. You can edit them, delete them, you know, move them around or whatever. But one of the sections we added was, you know, in the analytics section, not just who you've sent credentials to and how they're using them, but also how many referrals are they sending to your website? Because people may have shared on LinkedIn, you know, and, and then from that, of course, you can click to see the credential yourself. But then from the credential, you can link to the course sign up page. Right. So and we can track that traffic. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right? In this, first of all, it doesn't feel spammy because it's a moment of pride. Someone is advocating for you. But but even more interestingly, right, who are the people that see that share on LinkedIn, right? It's exactly your target demographic. It's someone's, you know, the person who got the course from you, who achieved the course from you, it's their friends or their professional network who are extremely highly correlated with your target demographic. So it doesn't feel spammy or marketing-y, but it does still drive this traffic and it just feels like a win-win. That's great. That's a, such a great idea. I had never occurred to me that that was the case. You mentioned taking, you know, do you ever have, to, I'm sure you have to, for some reason, take back a certificate, um, university, maybe uh, issues one in error, or yep. uh, I don't know what circumstances could cause that. But how, how do you take away a certificate, especially if it's already in the blockchain? 
Yeah, so um, you know, we, we sort of jokingly call this the heart attack avoidance feature. You know, there's a couple <laughs> of ways that you might want to revoke a credential, right? The first one is, oh my god, I just sent out an, uh, you know, maybe you just sent fifteen thousand credentials to a bunch of people and you spelled certificate wrong, or something horrible like that, right? Um, well, the great thing about it is, first of all, you don't need to delete them in many cases. If it was just a simple mistake like that, you wouldn't revoke them. You would just go and edit them, right? So you can actually push an update to the blockchain. Um, you know, and not all these credentials are on the blockchain. Of course, you can do it without the blockchain if you if you want to. Um, so you literally just log in, you know, change the design, <laughs> fix your certificate misspelling and hit save. So that's that's one easy scenario. There's another one where, you know, maybe you sent someone in error. Oh, yikes, like we literally sent the wrong Alan, you know, a credential, um, which funny story, sidebar, actually, uh, this actually happened to us. So my co-founder and CTO, Alan Heppenstall, um, once did like a, a summer school course, I think it was at the University of Wales, I believe it was. Um, after we then started a credible a couple of years in, just completely coincidentally, Alan received an MBA in the mail from this school and he called them up to say hey you know this is sent an error like what happened here and it turned out there was another alan happenstall and they just got the, the the addresses mixed up so you know this does happen you know and it's honestly you can't make that up can you um but so yeah you know so in that in that case what you would do is actually just revoke the credential and then you know you can send an update to the blockchain to say oh this credential has been revoked so you can't remove the fact that it was issued but you can say, oh, this this no longer should verify because it was revoked. Um, and then, and, and so of course that could be if someone cheated as well, right? You can revoke a credential if you need to. And then if you go on the credential URL, it will just say this credential does not exist, right? Um, you just can't verify it anymore. And then there's a third case, which actually is much, much more common and much less severe. It's not punitive, which is certificates sometimes need to expire, right? Maybe your CFP designation lasts three years and you know, it should expire. It shouldn't cease to exist, right? Because you did earn it during that time. But if you didn't renew, you shouldn't be able to claim that it's still valid. So, you know, you can do things like add, a, you know, an expiration notice or a stamp on the credential, things like that. I see. Yeah, very good. So if an institution wants to work with you, I know you might not want to cover the, the actual um, pricing, but how does it work? Is it based on an initial charge for setup and then you pay by the certificate how, how does how does it work well the short answer is it, it depends but i can walk you through it so uh, here's what here's what it depends on um if you're just trying to do something small you know you, you're not issuing to all that many people um, you know, and you don't have any sort of white labeling requirements. You don't need us to help you with an integration. You don't want our customer success team to, to sort of guide you through the strategy. Then you actually, all you need to do is go on our pricing page. I, I think it's just a credible.com slash pricing, you know, choose the plan you want, type in your credit card and hit send. And you, of course, you know, we have a free plan so you can try it out before you buy. So the pricing for, for, for the smaller plans, which basically means nothing bespoke or nothing super large, um, it's just there, it's transparent. Just, you know, go and play with it. If you like it, type in your credit card. If it's something more complicated, you know, many organizations want sort of strategy help, right? It's not just a sort of, you know, SaaS tool, which, you know, an online sort of service. It's also that we offer consultancy. We can walk you through instructional design. We can help you go through some of the things that we talked about before about, should I issue badges or certificates or both? You know, what should I issue them for? Should I communicate this to people and things like that? You know, so we can charge sort of a concierge sort of onboarding fee to walk you through that process. And then we tie that to the success of your goals. So we work, literally work with you to define your goals and then we tie that to the success. Or, you know, you perhaps you want us to integrate with your LMS in a way that's non-standard. You know, our technical team can be dispatched to do that. But basically the way our pricing works is it's actually quite simple. We don't charge you per credential that you issue. It's actually better than that. We charge you per person that you want to issue to. So you can actually issue unlimited credentials to somebody within a year, and that costs one credit. So the way it works is, you know, let's say in, I don't know, in 2019, 
you issued 15 credentials to me, Danny, we would charge you one credit for that. And then in 2020, you issued no credentials to Danny, we wouldn't charge you at all for that. And then in 2021, maybe you sent another two credentials to Danny, that would then charge you one other credit. So the idea is for anyone that you sent a credential to in a, in a, in a year, we just charge you for that one time thing. And then you can issue as many as you want during the time period. Got it. Got it. Well, that's, that's very fair. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, this is great. It's such an eye opener to me. Uh, I thought, um, what is this credible, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and when I got to thinking about it, um, yeah, nowadays, I mean, I, of course I'm coming from the year when, when you would have to, uh, you know, get an approved copy of a, a diploma, you know, from the institution and it would go through the mail and so forth. Those days uh, hopefully are, are long gone. I, are there any other closing thoughts you'd like to leave with uh, my audience? Any, anything new that you're working on or is everything already built? <laughs> Well, no, we're actually, we're actually going through a very exciting time at the moment. You know, we've just quadrupled our team. Um, you know, so we uh, we actually got to profitability in, in 2019. And uh, from then, have just been really growing like like crazy, really. COVID was really, you know, a massive expansion, I think, uh, across the industry. But things were already qu quite exciting because, you know, I think we were leaving the early adopter part of our market where, you know, people that were using digital badges would either, you know, crazy people or, you know, like trying something just completely new, just out of interest. Whereas now it's actually very much mainstream you know uh it's surprising sort of that more more of the customers that we end up selling to come to us nowadays saying hey we've seen digital credentials maybe our competitors are using it maybe we've seen it at a conference or we've been talking about it for a while please can you help us as opposed to us having to go and pound the pavement and sort of find them so you know i think that the industry on it itself is on the cusp of you know, uh, great change. And I think, like you say, I think that, you know, digital credentials, it's sort of obvious that most of these things, they need to be digital. It's sort of crazy that we still use a really expensive, really insecure piece of paper. Um, so, you know, I think it's intuitive to everyone that that's the case. And now we're starting to see that shift. But yeah, you know, we're working on a, on a number of really exciting initiatives. Um, you know, some of them are released, some of them are not. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sort of be too salesy here or pitch. So, you know, check out our website if you're interested. But I think the, the closing parting thoughts would be, this is a really interesting and exciting time, I think, for online learning and digital credentialing in particular, because it really is exploding. You know, if you look at almost all of our customers, you know, are... are dramatically increasing the number of credentials that they're issuing year on year because they're able to leverage online learning or because they're diving more and more into digital credentialing. So it's an exciting time all around, I think. That's great. Well, I wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you're you're at the beginning of a, of a great uh, run. So uh, I wish you the best and I'm looking forward to uh, learning more of it. Maybe uh, we can get our institution to uh, adopt a credible. Yeah, hopefully. Well, thank you so much, Rod. You know, thank you so much for, for the time and really great to chat with you. And uh, yeah, love to stay in touch. Will do. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly learned a lot. I hadn't really thought much about digital credentials, let alone credentials being held on the blockchain, but it certainly makes a lot of sense. Don't forget to stay tuned for the Valvaldi Concerto Number 1, The Spring Concerto. Until next time, have a great week.
that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company. Yeah.